4: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. There's been a lot of stupidity. I mean, an awful lot of stupidity over the past couple of years surrounding COVID. But you guys know, we talked about this on Monday. The mayor of San Francisco, London Breed, the mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, and the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, all attended the 49ers game against the Rams, the NFC Championship game in L.A. at SoFi Stadium. And all three of them were pictured without masks with Magic Johnson, former Laker basketball star. Now, Magic Johnson, of course, has HIV, so he would be, in theory, the definition of someone who is immunocompromised. All of them have tried to explain themselves away, Gavin Newsom said he only took his mask off for a few seconds. By the way, we've learned, according to Democratic politicians, that when you get a picture taken, COVID can't spread. That seems to be uh, their position because they're always, oh, we just took the mask off for a couple minutes. Same thing CNN staffers say, by the way. Eric Garcetti broke a new stupidity level here. He said that he held his breath while he got his photo taken with Magic Johnson, so there
3: was no risk. Listen to this answer. I wore my mask the entire game, and when people ask for a photograph, I hold my breath, and I put it here, and people could see that. There's a 0% chance of infection from that.
4: (laughs) Buck! He held his his breath! Does does that mean that, like, if you are really one of these deep-sea divers, and you just hold your breath better than almost anyone in the world that you don't theoretically ever have to wear a mask, right? Like, I, I I, this know. is one of the dumbest answers of all time.
3: I don't even know if we could sit here and laugh without at least the possibility that in a week or two, Fauci may be like, I have an announcement, forget double masking, <laughs> I want half breathing, I would like for mitigation purposes to limit the droplet dispersal by having everyone hold their breath to at least 10, perhaps 15 And if you go to 30 and pass out, that's not good. So please stop at 20. Is there anything that is too stupid for these people? I, I just have to wonder, is anything too dumb for the Fauciites? I don't think so.
4: I didn't inhale now has competition. That depends on what the meaning of the word is, is this is so stupid. This is so dumb that if I were a resident of Los Angeles, if I lived in L.A. County, I would want the mayor fired on the spot. I'm sure there are a lot of vice mayors out there. Somebody could step up, probably not be as dumb. But, Buck, this is having consequences in L.A. The L.A. Times had a big article today saying that in the wake of the mayor's stupidity and the picture of the governor inside a SoFi Stadium at the game, many parents out there are saying, wait a minute, you're requiring my kids to wear masks You are posing for photographs with Magic Johnson. There is no legitimacy whatsoever any longer to a mask requirement in L.A. And I think this hypocrisy is really cutting through even to Buck uh, in L.A., which is obviously a left leaning uh, state. Remember, more people in California voted for Donald Trump. Then voted for Donald Trump in Texas. Yeah. Now that's partly a function of population. See, but there's a lot of sane people in California too. I think
3: so much of this now has come down to there's the brainwashed folks, and it's they're gonna take years. I mean, they're they're traumatized by Fauci in a way, and I don't think we can reach them. But for a lot of people, Clay, I've been thinking more about this, there's a stubbornness with they don't want to admit that the evil right-wing insurrectionists were right etc like you and me were right they they just yeah. they they cannot psychologically cope not not with that they had to do all this, that we were right the whole time
4: i think there's some truth to that we'll talk about it more because i do think there's some truth to that it takes a compelling reason to switch your cell phone carrier i know i've contemplated and talked about it with you guys for a long time now nearly every day companies were used to hearing about raise your fees and we often just grin and bear it you don't have to you don't have to be chained to verizon at&t or t-mobile pure talk gives you the same 5g service on the same network as one of those for a fraction of the price think about economics this way if you could save 800 a year over the next 10 years you would save $8,000 for you and your family. Would you switch your cell phone provider? If you could save eight grand and you could keep your phone and keep your number, you can bet you get unlimited talk text, unlimited data with a hotspot for just $55 a month. Go to puretalk.com. Find the plan that's right for you. No contracts, no smoke and mirrors, just pure transparency. For this month only, enter the promo code pure talk and you get an additional 25% off your first three months. puretalk.com, promo code pure talk.
7: I announced on Twitter, hey, this is what we're going to do. The Department of Health has been here four times. The ABRA, which is the D.C. Licensing Agency, has been here eight or nine times. The government doesn't send me a paycheck. I send the government money. I am not an agent of the government to do this. If they want to come down and check people's medical status, they're more than welcome to. I don't have the people for that. I don't know. I really don't know when people ask me, "What, where are you going to get on the other side of this? I don't know. I just know that I'm doing the right thing, and th- this place is supposed to be open.
3: That was Eric Flannery, owner of The Big Board, a bar in the 8th Street corridor of Washington, D.C., an area I know actually quite well. Eric is with us now. Eric Flannery, owner of The Big Board. Sir, thanks for calling in. Uh, thank you guys very much for having me
7: on. I really appreciate it. I really, really? do.
3: You're speaking to our people all across the country, Eric. Tell them what happened to your establishment in D.C. and and what's going on. So
7: so D.C. has now, um, they have revoked our liquor license, and they have come down and they have revoked our basic business license, so we're not allowed to operate it as an alcohol establishment or as any kind of establishment at all. They've done that based on uh, the mayor's order that all of my servers are required to wear masks at all times inside, and uh, we are required to check people's personal medical status when they come through. Can I, can I
3: just be clear? Your servers have to wear masks, but not patrons. Is that the way the, the, the rule goes in D.C.? So, so the, the patrons are supposed to wear them when they open up the door.
7: When they get, they get a glass of water and they just take them off.
3: That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But it's true in New York, too. Clay, I know you've got a lot here. Yeah.
4: So that means that. Your business is shut down and all of your employees are now not able to work as well. What's the time frame under which you could potentially reopen? How does that work for you paying rent? I mean, what is the status here?
7: So the I've got a hearing coming up. I've still got to negotiate with BC on this. This is a hearing of the Aber Board of Directors, which is the DC Alcohol Beverage Regulation Authority. And they are... Uh, they have a meeting. They have a, a team of people that is appointed by the mayor and confirmed by the city council, who are going to hear uh the ideas behind this. They have to decide whether or not they think I can have my license restored. I then have to get my license restored at the Department of Health as well. I have not gotten far enough into
4: that process to know. Uh, but how, all of your employees. Yeah, sorry to cut you off, but all of your employees, the people who work, which I would guess what, uh, how many people do you employ? None of them are able to work or get a salary right now because you're not allowed to work, you're not allowed to open, correct? That's correct. And and trust me, they want to work. They're down there.
7: They were having some of the most fun they've had in, in years over the last 6 months because it was such a long time of us being shut down that when we were open, they were ready and
6: happy.
3: We're speaking to Eric Flannery, owner of the big board in the H corridor of DC, Washington, DC. Um, Eric, are, are the people coming in, the, the little commissars from the health department, are they a little at all sheepish? I mean, do they, I mean, they must recognize at some level that the mask policy of employees, but not patrons, that's nothing to do with science. That's moronic. I mean, are, do they, I, I'm, i obviously they're, penalizing you but are they at least a little apologetic for how stupid they have to act in the name of the city of washington dc and then also we'll, we'll get into how people can help you but first talk about that i mean what's it like dealing with these folks
7: so i'm, I'm always perfectly nice to all, all of these folks i don't say don't say anything they have uh, misquoted me in a couple of the official documents that they submitted where i was not allowed to review them um I think what happens is they assign me something that I'm not before they walk in so that they don't have to feel bad about themselves for doing what they're doing, which is shutting down a business where everybody's welcome.
4: Eric, you're supposed to be checking for vaccine cards, I suppose, or vaccine photos, cards, or whatever else when you enter the business, my understanding is in D.C. Are most businesses doing that? In your experience, does that have any impact at all? And what in the world process is there to eventually end a restriction like that? So there is a a lot of
7: businesses aren't doing it. You can read newspaper articles that 75% of the businesses that they checked in DC were not completing the requirements correctly. Um, two, um, uh, I lost my train of thought there. No, gonna I was just going to say, how did these
4: processes end? So right now you're supposed to be checking vaccine cards and everybody has to be masked. Is this a mayoral decision? Is there a body to appeal to? How does this process work? It's, it's a mayoral decision right now on the mayoral order. There is no end
7: date to the mayoral order and there is no exit criteria on the mayoral order.
3: Uh, so so there, in theory, it's never no, ending.
7: no. In in theory, it is never ending unless it is superseded by another document.
3: So, I just want to ask: How can folks, if there's anything, any way, can they help? Can they stand with you? I know Senator Rand Paul has been trying to get attention for you standing up here for what is right. What can folks listening do? Uh, There's there's a lot of
7: things, and what I tell people: If you're in D.C., you can write to your, do your good citizen stuff. Write to your city council member. Write to the mayor. Show up at the meeting, watch the meeting and see what's happened. And more importantly, if you're in DC, read the mayor order. I talk to so many people who are either with me or against me and I ask them if they or have they read the mayor order. It's six and a half pages. That's all it is. It's six and a half pages. It does not have what is required to put the type of
3: change in society. It doesn't have the justification in that mayor order. Tyranny is what it is. Eric Flannery of the Big Board in Washington, D.C., restaurateur. Sir, we wish you the best. Thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Josh Hawley up next, everybody.
5: Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Third hour of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show is here, everybody, and we so appreciate you being with us. Rolling on by here, getting uh, getting all the latest today. We will discuss that raid on a terrorist, basically no one had heard of outside of the national security. Uh, complex Uh, but there was a big raid special operations a number of casualties involved including the terrorists but also some civilians what happened there in syria we'll be joined by jack carr former navy seal and author to help us analyze that situation where are we in the war on terror people don't talk about it anymore right now though we are joined by missouri senator josh holly once again senator holly great to have you with us hey thanks for having me can we just start with? I hadn't heard, and I'm sure you've shared it, but I, I was curious about your feelings with this announcement from the Biden administration of an open Supreme Court seat that he would only that he would follow through on the initial promise of only appointing a black female jurist to the high court. What do you what do you make of that, Senator Hawley? Well,
8: you know, I mean, he can appoint whoever he wants, I suppose. I said I think it's a mistake to appoint based on a quota and, and to rule out large numbers of people uh, before you've even looked at, at their merits or qualifications. But listen, I mean, my, my criteria are this, this needs to be a pro constitution judge who is going to apply the law as it's written and not how they want it to be. And also, by the way, who believes in the rule of law. I mean, I don't think the president's noticed, but we're in the midst of a historic crime wave and we need judges who actually believe in our criminal law system, who believe that it is just and fair and not systemically racist And I tell you, he's been sending up to the Senate one activist, left-wing, pro-crime, pro-criminal judge after another. So I hope that's not who he sends us for the Supreme Court.
4: Senator Hawley, appreciate you joining us. Uh, I know the White House has been coming after you, basically accusing you of as close as they can get up to saying it that you're basically a Russian plant uh, for the arguments that you're making about mm-hmm. Ukraine. Now, first of all, are you, in fact, a Russian plant? And second, <laughs> what did you think when you saw what Jen Psaki said at the White House?
8: Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's just uh, no, I'm not. To answer your first <laughs> question, Clay, so yes, get that on the record. I just think that it shows how intellectually and morally bankrupt this administration is. I mean, They don't have the ability to engage in any kind of an argument for any of their positions because they are historically unpopular. Nobody likes what they're doing. Nobody believes in their policies. And they don't want to have a debate about it. They don't want to have an argument. They want to shout down their critics, whether it's me or Joe Rogan or anybody else, shout them down, censor them, shut them down, because they don't want open debate because they're losing. Listen, on Ukraine, who's responsible for the position the United States is in with regard to Ukraine? Uh, Joe Biden is. Who came into office? And allowed Russia to start up their energy pipeline, Nord Stream 2 it's called, their energy pipeline that stuffs dollars into the pockets of Vladimir Putin and his cronies. Who did that? Joe Biden did that. Who denied Ukraine military aid last
4: year when Ukraine
8: asked for it? Joe Biden did. And now that we're in crisis, now he wants to send American troops from our country to Europe. We already have tens of thousands there. He wants even more. I think that's a mistake. I'm opposed to sending thousands of additional troops, and I'll take my stand on that any day.
3: Speaking of Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, uh, Senator Hawley, we've got the Olympics. Sorry, Clay's the sports guy, so i has got to look at him and make sure I get the hand signals. I think starting <laughs> today in Beijing, right? That's enough of a news story. Thank you, Clay. Clay's giving me the thumbs up. I appreciate that. <laughs> But you know for me the the angle of it that is uh, that is particularly interesting and I think for a lot of other folks is this is happening in China I feel like more and more Americans and honestly the whole world are waking up to the realities of not just the the threat of the Chinese Communist Party uh, internally to dissent and human rights but obviously to the rest of the world so how how do you want to think how do you think people should be approaching this obviously we're supportive of the athletes and that's great but Uh, What do you think about China being able to hold this? I feel like some people are saying it feels a little bizarre.
8: Oh, they never should have ever been allowed to host the Olympic Games. No question about it. And the fact that, you know, these American corporations and and, uh, NBC, I guess it is, is televising. I'm not watching any of it. so I don't know. But I think it's NBC who's televising it. You know, it's going to make money on this. Who knows? I mean, just truckloads of of cash on it. I think it's really repulsive. I mean, it's just... The fact that, that China is allowed to try and sugarcoat its record of being the most oppressive, totalitarian regime on the planet is frankly just sickening. So listen, I, I certainly support our athletes. I hope they do great. I wish them well. But, but I personally am, am not going to watch uh, on television and not going to give my support to that uh, as a citizen. I, I just think it's wrong, and I think it's wrong China has these games.
4: We were talking earlier, and I agree with everything you just said about uh about bowing down to China and allowing them to host the Winter Olympics at all. I think it's a disgrace that we've uh, allowed that to occur. But speaking of allowed to occur, you mentioned Joe Rogan and uh and certainly we've seen with Whoopi Goldberg and what's happened to her and all of the discussions this week surrounding what should and shouldn't be permissible to be said. And I'm a big marketplace of ideas guy, Senator Hawley. I think you are to a large extent, too. But on the show, we were discussing what I believe is a monster story that isn't being discussed enough. The White House is directing big tech companies what they believe should or should not be happening in terms of speech. The government can't do that directly. You know this better than almost anybody because you uh, you are a legal scholar, but it's even uh, not allowed and it should be called out more than it is to allow them to use big tech to regulate in a way that they themselves would be unable to from a constitutional perspective. What do you think about what's going on and are we not giving enough attention to really what is a, a radical proposition that is being put forward by the Biden administration almost on a daily basis now as it pertains to big tech and regulation?
8: it is absolutely radical and you're exactly right about it and my view is is that it is a, a a profound threat to our constitutional norms and constitutional values you know clay i can't imagine just even 20 years ago i mean barely a generation ago i cannot imagine an american president urging media companies uh newspapers television you know which is the equivalent of, of today's social media urging them actively to censor Viewpoints he doesn't like and disagrees with. Can you imagine the outcry? It's crazy. And now, now they're doing it as you said brazenly. I mean, now they're using the, the bully pulpit of the White House to try and urge these tech companies with their in their public forums uh, to to shut out voices that they disapprove of. And it's not even you know they've been doing it pr- to the right. They've been trying to censor the right for a long time. But you know, Joe Rogan, I, you could say a lot about. You know, Joe Rogan's political views, I don't think you can characterize him. as he's certainly not a right winger, let's put it that way. I mean, the guy is very independent for his credit. You know, and I just think the idea that the president would urge this, it just shows, I think, that this administration certainly, and unfortunately, many on the, on the left, sort of the leaders of the left, no longer believe in the fundamental principle of free speech. They don't believe, Clay, what you alluded to just a second ago, which is that the cure for speech that you don't like or for speech that is inaccurate is more speech. Amen. You, know, you, don't, you don't throttle it down, you open it up. And and that's, you know, this is why the whole idea that, well, if I don't like speech, I'll call it misinformation and then I'll censor it. Oh my gosh, that's exactly what our First Amendment is designed to protect against. So I'm really worried about it. And and also, you know, you see the same thing happening on campuses. But to come from the president, to come from the White House, I think is really, really destructive and it's really dangerous.
3: Speaking of Josh Hawley, Senator from the great state of Missouri. Senator Hawley, it, it seems more and more like the Biden administration is just running out of narrative. I mean, you know, they're trying to convince people that the economy is great. They created all these jobs. It was all hinging, it seemed, on the Build Mac Better plan, which is there going to be a, a renewed effort in any serious way for that to pass before the midterm election? Because absent that, it just feels like failure is the only way to describe what we've seen so far. And therefore, a Democrat pivot is the only way they'll be able to respond if they get crushed in the midterms or that's the way they should respond. How do you see this playing out? I know we're early in 2022, but it doesn't seem like it's going to change anytime soon.
8: Oh, and I don't think that uh, up here in Capitol Hill, I can tell you they don't think that they really have any problem. I mean, they think that what they're doing is great, which shows you how out of touch they are with reality. I mean, this is the most unpopular administration of my lifetime. This president can hardly complete a sentence. I mean, it is, it is, it is stunning. It is
1: scary, and
8: the American people are looking at his agenda, and it's like, wow, you're giving us inflation that is totally out of control. You're giving us a. Foreign policy disasters everywhere you turn: Afghanistan, China, Ukraine, and Russia. And this is a guy who is just—he is leading this country into disaster after disaster. And people don't like it; they don't want it. But I think the Democrats—the answer to the question—I think they're just going to try to forge ahead. And I don't think they'll accomplish much this year because they're so internally divided. But I, you know, the American people are getting a good look at the Democrat leaders and what they want for this country, and, and what they want is. Uh, a basically economic socialism combined with their hard left wokeism when it comes to social policy it's just radical stuff and uh the american people they don't want it and in fact they hate it and that's why joe biden's so popular
4: senator holly a couple of questions here for you to close out one what happened to your chiefs two uh <laughs> two second part of that <laughs> did you see the mayor of los angeles saying that when he was getting his picture taken with magic johnson it wasn't an issue with COVID because he held his breath. I mean, I, I, I he was at the 49ers and uh, Rams game. I mean, that's there. There's video. That's a direct quote from him. So I'll let you first address the Chiefs collapse, and second, uh, how good of a breath holder you might be, uh, and what that might mean for your future uh, photographs.
8: <laughs> well, on the second part first, I mean, the, the hypocrisy on this is unbelievable. You know, and, and I don't want to. Call out any of my Senate colleagues by name, but I'll just say that the rank hypocrisy to watch these people walk around with masks and then as soon as they get away from the cameras to rip off their masks. Oh, yeah. It's, it's all theater. I mean, it's all theater. And for Joe Biden to be out there saying, blaming folks who are unvaccinated and saying that they're the reason the pandemic is raging, no, they're not. We know that people who are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, can get COVID and are, you know, for no fault of anybody's own. I mean, the truth is, is this administration, the hypocrisy, the failure to plan, it's unbelievable. Okay, the Chiefs, though, I mean, you're really kind of twisting the knife on that one. Well, um, look, I'm a Titans
4: was, fan. We lost to the Bengals first, so I'm still <laughs> angry at Ryan Tannehill. So uh, you're, you're better you off know, than me because at least you were in the AFC championship game.
8: Fair enough, fair enough. I just, you know uh, – I don't want to be a Monday morning quarterback on it. I mean, obviously, it was a disappointing loss. I mean, but I, I, let me put it this way. I'll try to put it in a positive way. I thought the, the Bengals came out and their defensive adjustments after halftime, particularly. I mean, I think what what they did with their safeties and uh, you know using it, getting to just basically play one high, uh, having one of the safeties come forward, do some spying, sort of clogging up that middle that Mahomes have been using really effective effectively in the first half. I mean, I thought that that was – they did a good job. You know, they did a good job defensively, and unfortunately we just didn't find an answer to that uh, until until the end, too late in the game. I mean, it just just didn't happen. So I, a lot of credit to them for their defensive adjustments. And, uh, you know, and then offensively, obviously, I mean, the Bengals, they, they really got it going. And, uh, you know, when you score, when you allow 21, I think, unanswered, uh, that's hard to do, you know, in an AFC championship game and expect to win. But listen, that all sounds kind of negative. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm really, I'm a huge Chiefs fan, lifelong Chiefs fan, will be forever. I, I they had a great season. I wish they were going to be playing a couple of Sundays from now. But, uh, you know what? They're young and, uh, I've got to know some of the players on the team. They're great guys and, uh, this will be great learning experience and they'll be back and better than ever.
4: No doubt. Four straight AFC championship games. I bet you didn't think you'd see that as a Chiefs fan anytime soon. Good stuff as always, Senator Holly. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Uh, Mike Lindell, he's the inventor of My Pillow and his team. Well, they fit us for our own pillows, introduced us to their ever-growing list of incredible products. What do they got? They got everything. Towel sets, slippers, robes, mattress toppers, Giza dream sheets, lots of stuff out there. You can trust Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Sheets are made from the world's best cotton Giza, ultra soft, breathable, yet extremely durable with a luxurious finish. You can get them in multiple colors, styles, and sizes. And right now, Giza dream sheets are at their lowest prices ever. We're talking about 60% off coming in at 39.99 we use the promo code clay and buck all my pillow products 60 day money back guarantee here's what we need you to do go to mypillow.com click on radio listener specials to check out this flash sale on the Giza dream sheets it won't be around for long again incredible sale go to uh, code clay and buck at mypillow.com you can also call 800-792-3269 do it today
5: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: United States military forces successfully removed a major terrorist threat to the world, the global leader of ISIS, known as Haji Abdullah. Knowing that this terrorist had chosen to surround himself with families, including children, we made a choice to pursue a special forces raid at a much greater risk than our to our own people rather than targeting him with an airstrike. We made this choice to minimize civilian casualties. Last night's operation took a major terrorist leader off the battlefield and it sent a strong message to terrorists around the world. We will come after you and find you.
3: Welcome back to the Clay and Buck Show. That was President Biden earlier today on the Special Forces or Special Operations Raid that targeted ISIS leader Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al-Qareshi, Qureshi, is somebody that I don't think many folks out there had heard of, uh, unless you work in you know, anti-ISIS targeting. We want to bring somebody in to help us uh, analyze what we know so far about this raid and just where we stand in the war on terror as it is. Jack Carr is with us now. He's a former Navy SEAL sniper and task unit commander with service in Iraq and Afghanistan. He's also the best-selling author Of the Terminal List series, his latest In the Blood is available for pre order. Jack, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me on. So you see this one, and this is, uh, there's some photos, some video of the raid sites, a house in northwest Syria, sent in apparently, uh, Apache gunships, uh, special forces, uh, and or special operations, I should say, units. They didn't really specify that much about who exactly was involved from what I've seen so far he the terrorist leader apparently detonated a suicide vest or detonated a bomb of some kind killing a number of civilians what do you make of this raid in terms of uh, is this is this a successful raid did we want to actually capture and try to get intel i mean what are your thoughts
9: yeah I mean, capture versus kill it's always uh you, know, you never know how, know how that's going to play out these days especially in today's political climate so um, you know, he took himself out the same way that uh, his predecessor, al-Baghdadi, did uh, in 2019 with a suicide vest. At least that's what is being recorded and took out his wife and some of his kids at the same time. Um, so uh, w- but what's not really being focused on as much is that also a top lieutenant of his was killed in the raid um, by U.S. Special Operations Forces on another level of that house. Um, and oftentimes that can be even more important than decapitating that head of the snake to get that top lieutenant, essentially the COO, uh, who is managing those day to day operations. So we really took out two terrorist targets, uh, did a proof of concept under this new administration. Um, And interestingly enough, this uh, terrorist leader was acting in a similar fashion to what uh, bin Laden did staying in one place, uh, not leaving his compound, not leaving his building, only going up to the roof for some some fresh air every now and again, which is different. If you remember Uh, Yasser Arafat would change locations almost daily, at least every couple, couple days. Um, But it just shows, how they're adapting and how we need to adapt as well. But, uh, but also, you know, we decided not to take him out with, uh, some sort of a strike that would put, uh, innocent civilians at more risk. Um, and to the, and that's what I saw during my time in Iraq and Afghanistan is that was a, whether it was us going in or it was, uh, some sort of an airstrike that we were calling in, that was of the highest importance, uh, is to protect those, those civilians. So, um, the other. Part of that is you can show a dead body. Um it can't be spun as much uh as it could if you just have a demolished building uh where you say someone was killed. So you actually have a body, there's proof of that of that death there. And also safety of flight, just getting to and from. We saw that a helicopter uh had to be destroyed uh on target or close to the target anyway. And it just goes to show that just getting to and from these locations is is tough and whether that's means you're on the ground somewhere moving in vehicles or you're in the air that safety of flight is uh is still so dangerous for everyone involved in these operations and the uh the specter of desert one in 1980 mogadishu black hawk down um the the helicopter that crashed in the bin laden raid these things are always at the at the forefront of uh of the planning for these types of operations
4: Jack, do we have any indications early on? Certainly we saw the terror attack that happened when 13 soldiers lost their lives in Afghanistan. Do we have any indications early on whether the new Taliban control in Afghanistan is increasing the overall reach of terrorist organizations in the Middle East? Or if the Taliban is actually doing some of what they said they would, which is preventing, at least in theory, the rise of ISIS. Do we have any indications right now how this is going? Uh, you
9: know, that's a tough one to, uh, to evaluate. And I'm, I hope we have people that are on this daily and I hope we left behind human, net, human networks in Afghanistan that can be reported. I mean, we were there for 20 years. Uh, and as you know, on the intelligence services, part of what uh, what we do there is leave behind these long term deep penetration type operations um, and that our sources are uh, still solid. And after 20 years, I have to think that that is the case. And then we're getting some very good information back on that front. Um, but uh, they have a lot to deal with over there. But at the same time. Uh, without us being there daily and keeping them on their toes, I don't see how they can't be expanding uh, outside of the region when it comes to building their networks, adapting, uh, and and pushing that reach, whether it's just regionally or virtually into into countries where they're um, uh, that that they're not very close to as far as proximity.
3: We're speaking to Jack Carr, former Navy SEAL, author of the Terminal List series, In the Blood. His latest is available for pre order. Jack. I want to ask you know, just yesterday, I believe Clay, wasn't yesterday the first day where they started to uh, dismiss um, active duty members yes. of the military who refused to get the vaccine? As somebody who served and served on frontline in frontline combat roles, and I'm sure still has many uh, many uh, brothers and sisters who are still in the armed services. What do you make of that?
9: Well, it's very disheartening that uh, everything has become so. Politicized as far as this issue goes, um, the science and quote unquote the science uh, seems to be evolving. People at the senior levels don't really have the greatest idea of what is happening with the uh, with, with COVID and its different uh, iterations. So it's just very disheartening to me that it's politicized and that we are essentially targeting certain people and trying to move them out of different positions in, uh, in government just because, uh, they have some questions about what I think still as of today, uh, is an experimental vaccine. Um, so it just that, that it's been politicized so much is disheartening. I saw that even a Navy chaplain, um, had his, uh, uh wasn't allowed to have some, wasn't allowed not to take it for religious exemption purposes. Um, So when you have an actual chaplain, not just someone you suspect might be (laughs) just trying to get around uh, some sort of a mandate, um, there's an actual chaplain um, that is in the Navy for this reason, um, not getting a religious exemption. Um, I mean, it's just it's just disheartening to me that everything is so politicized on
4: that front. Jack, when you look back to the raid in Syria and the, the killing of the ISIS operative, How do you value or weigh the cost of potential innocent life versus the benefit of being able to eliminate one of these top leaders of a terrorist organization? In other words, there's the report that there might have been 10 people, women and children potentially, who died as a part of this raid. Uh, Again, early reports. Is there a number when your experience as a Navy SEAL where you say, okay, it might be worth the risk of ten other people dying, but it's not worth a hundred? How do you balance the risk versus the the danger here of raids as it pertains to quote unquote innocent life versus a terrorist uh target? What kind of balancing acts have you seen?
9: Yeah, so collateral damage is something that uh Uh, hate to say always but it is always a part of warfare so that being said my personal experience downrange in iraq and afghanistan was that if there was the uh the and dying and sort of an operation that we could look at ahead of time we wouldn't do it uh and that goes at every level tactical operational strategic uh all of those levels were in alignment there and i think That is really what one of the main things that differentiates us from our enemy. We maintain that moral high ground. We put thought into this. We put ourselves at risk so as to not hurt or kill innocent civilians to the best of our possible ability. And then you see our enemy. What do they do? They detonate that suicide vest, kill their wife and children, um, both this latest target and al-Baghdadi before him. Um, And then you can juxtapose that also, very interestingly, with uh, bin Laden, who had time to prepare, who there were shots fired in the compound already. He had an AK in his room, uh, and did not defend himself in the end, like he asked so many others to do for him. Um, so, so very interesting, these different leaders. Um, but the last two. One last night, and al-Baghdadi before him, they took the lives of innocent people where we do the exact opposite. And I think that is really the main differentiator differentiator between us and our enemy. We maintain that moral high ground at every every chance we get.
3: Jack Carr, former Navy SEAL. Check out the Terminal List series and his latest, In the Blood, available for pre-order now. Great author and a great American. Jack, thanks for being with us.
4: Thanks for having me on. You guys take care. Good stuff. As always, let's get you set up with a free subscription to a publication received now by 6 million Americans. The monthly publication comes from Hillsdale College, and it's a great read. Primus is the name of the publication, and each month it contains the transcribed remarks from another great speech recently delivered by someone who believes and defends our freedoms and our way of life. Hillsdale's mission is pursuing truth and defending liberty. It gives its undergraduate and graduate students the best education, And they work overtime to make many of their educational offerings available to all, from offering free online courses to helping support great K through 12 schools. This Imprimus publication is a great example of their outreach. Imagine over six million households and businesses receive it each month. There are no strings attached generous donors who love freedom make it possible for hillsdale to send Primus to you for free start receiving your own free copy of this great digest of liberty visit clayandbuckforhillsdale.com that's clayandbuckforhillsdale.com to sign up